Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Three down, 14 to go, including this matchup that... uh... I don't really think anybody is looking forward to except maybe some people who were making some bets or, or maybe they think they got a fantasy guy that's going to do something for them uh, on Sunday because I know that uh, neither of the fan bases is really looking forward to it, which you will see evidenced in the conversation with our guest uh, this week, Lori Lattimore-Volkman from SB Nation's Mile High Report, um, where we spend the conversation basically trying to convince where one tries to convince the other that their team is going to win. Like, I'm trying to tell Lori the Broncos are going to win. She's trying to tell me why the Bears are going to win. And, um, yeah, that's how that conversation goes. But uh, even part of that, even though we have that conversation, it was recorded on Tuesday, uh, nothing has changed. There hasn't been any big news uh, or anything like that um, or anything for the, yeah, just everything is still the same. Uh, the Bears and the Broncos are 31 and 32 uh, in the power rankings, which I don't think would surprise anybody after the first three games that those two teams have played. So the two worst teams in the NFL are getting together for a game on Sunday in Chicago, and we'll find out what happens after 60 minutes of that, which uh, will will playing the worst teams in the league help one elevate over the other that uh you know that the, the things that each have struggled with maybe they'll actually be able to make sense of it against uh you know what is you know the worst team in the league or you know whatever the worst team that isn't you uh kind of thing so uh we'll have to uh have to tune in on sunday uh to find out but um we got lots to get to we got our conversation with laura we got news and notes and keys to the game not that any of it's going to matter this is the week four preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. out loud. First month of the season, the first quarter of the season coming to a close as uh, Sunday is actually October 1st. So uh, it will be the, uh, the, the start of the second month of the NFL uh, season. And... Uh, It'll be Women's Month. We'll be seeing pink all over the place because of breast cancer awareness and all that kind of stuff. I think it's also even uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, so half of me is very happy about that, uh, the Mexican half of me. Uh, anyway, and uh, so it'll be Los Bears or whatever the word for bears. I'm a terrible Mexican. I don't know Spanish, but, you know, what What are you going to do? Uh, but anyway, um, you know, it's I, I just – I'm looking forward to this game, and I'm not all at the same time. And I think a lot of Bears and Broncos fans feel the same way about it, especially after the performance that each team is coming off of this week. You know, the Broncos gave up 70 points 
to the Dolphins. The Bears gave up 41 to the Chiefs, and they probably could have scored more if they wanted to, but they took Mahomes out early in the third. It was like a freaking preseason game, man. Like, all right, we've seen enough of you. You went, you played a whole half in the first drive of the third quarter. You're done for the day, you know. And then Blaine Gabbert throws a couple interceptions. The Bears finally get on the board uh, kind of thing. But, you know, it's like I'm looking forward to playing the Broncos because of how bad their defense looked last week. They can maybe playing a shitty defense will help the offense at least figure out what it's supposed to look like. You know, maybe not that it will be easier as we play like the Commanders next week, who have a very good defense, or the week after uh, when we play the Vikings, who are improving on defense. So, you know, but at least we'll be able to, you know, put it together on offense so that we know on tape what it's supposed to look like in a live game. Will we be able to replicate this against anybody else? Only time will tell, but we at least know how it's supposed to look now. When we, you know, when we were able to protect Justin, when he's able to make his reads, make his throws, when the receivers are actually getting open and, you know, holes are being open so Herbert and Roshan can run all over the field and make first downs. And this is what it looks like when you sustain a drive, put it together, and then finish it in the end zone. And that's what you're hoping you'll see. Or that's what you're hoping the Bears will be able to put together uh, on Sunday. But after the first three weeks of football, is there anything that you've seen that would make you think that that's possible right now? Because this all goes back to like the opening drive against Tampa Bay. And I tweeted out almost immediately after we scored the touchdown, as awesome as it was to watch the Bears march right down the field, put it in the end zone at 3-14 and 14 last year, we were the number one team in the league on scoring on the opening drive. Opening drive scores, the worst team in the league, best at, best at scoring first. It's what we do after that first drive for the rest of the game is what really is the test for the Bears. Because that's one thing they got down last year with Lou Getze was putting points on the board, putting a drive together, whether they had to settle for a field goal or actually put the ball in the end zone they were really good at getting a score on the very first drive. And we saw everything we wanted to see. Fields dropping back to throw. DJ Moore getting involved. He had like 65 of the like 75 yards for that drive. Justin Fields runs it in for a touchdown. But like, hey, this is what the offense is supposed to look like. But the real question is, can we sustain this throughout the football game? And uh, quite frankly, they couldn't do it. So, I mean, hell, we never even got off the bus against Kansas City. We didn't score a touchdown until we were down by 38 points with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That's when we finally scored our first touchdown. Uh, and Justin Fields shouldn't have been out there to begin with, you know, after he, he appeared to, at the very least, got his bell rung on the previous drive, they let him go back out there and he throws that meaningless garbage touchdown to DJ Moore. So, yeah. So if, if even if the Bears manage to do that and they march right down the field, they score a touchdown, as great as that is, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal or whatever it is, they put points on the board, they look like a competent offense. The real test is when they come back out there and get the ball again, can they do it again? And can they do it again after that? And so on and so forth. Because 
you know, we're, we're awesome at, do, at doing it first. And then for the rest of the game, once we get outside that scripted 15 plays, Lou Getze has no idea how to put together an offensive team or to how, to, how to get an offensive rhythm out of his offense or, or, or whatever the situation is. But we were really good at scoring right off the top. And then after that, we went back to being the Bears again. So, yeah. So it's like I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we might be able to do uh, against the Broncos. And like I said, if, if nothing else, we'll, because the Broncos appear to be just god-awful on defense this year, which is funny because that's what they were really good at last year. They just needed an offense to go with this championship-level defense. They could you know do some real damage out there. They gave up 35 to the Commanders two weeks ago. They gave up 70 to the Broncos last week, 700-plus yards of offense. And what's worse is that the Dolphins scored three times after they benched Tua. So they put Tua on the bench when they were up 49 to whatever, and they came out and scored three more times, uh, including like a 70-yard touchdown from, uh, I believe it's Mike White is their backup, the guy that was the savior of the Jets last year. He's the backup in, in Miami this year. So, yeah, I mean, even when the Dolphins emptied the benches and they had their reserves out there, Pats or Tan still giving up a 70-yard touchdown to uh, whoever it was. I think it was Robbie Anderson. Excuse me, Chosen Anderson. He changed his name to Chosen for some reason. So, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, makes you think, like, hey, we might actually be able to do something on offense, but we also have to keep in mind – our defense has got awful as well. So, I mean, maybe this will end up being a fun game where we actually just go back and forth scoring points and whoever has the ball last is going to end up winning uh, this thing. That would be a lot of fun to watch, to go back. I mean, it would be frustrating and fun all at the same time, not you know watching the uh, defense not be able to stop anything, but watching the offense go right back down the field uh, and answer uh, you know drives and things like that. That would be fun. So, But we talk a lot about this with... Uh, with Lori, which we'll get here into just a moment. First, we're going to do our uh, our news and notes. Starting things off with uh, uh, Justin Fields. I, I I don't know if he said this on Monday or if he said it yesterday on Wednesday, but uh, Justin Fields still thinks it's possible for the Bears to make the playoffs. Now, he's not wrong. I mean, zero and three. This the uh, the odds are definitely against us. I believe the percentages are in the single digits for uh, teams that make the playoffs after starting uh, 0-3. And I think they're down to like less than 1% if you're 0-4. Because in my lifetime, I'm only aware of one team that made the playoffs after starting 0-4, and it was like the 92 Chargers or something like that. And, um, yeah, with John Freeze as their quarterback, I think they had Natron Means in the uh, backfield. Interesting team. But they started 0-4, and then... They ended up making the play. I think they went like eleven and five. So it's like after zero and four, they they damn near ran the table and uh, made the play. I think the worst they did was like ten and six. But anyway, um, so he's not wrong, and he cited the Lions starting one and six and almost making the playoffs last year as like his example of how it's possible. Uh, the only problem with him citing the Lions. Uh, with that is in that example is that um, the Lions were actually scoring points last year. It was just the defense was the problem when they were one and six, because after four weeks, I believe they were zero and four, 
but they had scored the most points in the NFL and were still at a point differential because they'd given up more points, obviously. But, I mean, this was a team... Actually, I think they were one and three. I think they beat, like, the Commanders week two or something like that. But... um but they had the, the highest scoring offense in the league. It's just that the defense was giving up even more points uh, in, in return. So um, right now, neither one of our units is working. Not the offense, nor the defense. I mean, the defense is a swinging gate in the running game. And, uh, you know, the zone defense that we're running is just not working because guys are finding nice, safe, open, wide open pockets in the zone, getting first downs. We're the worst third down defense uh, in the NFL. It's like we don't, we, we're not good at anything right now. The, the Lions last year had a high-powered offense, just had to figure out how to, A, stop turning over the ball, and, B, stopping somebody on defense. That was their big problem last year. And once they finally figured out – how to get their defense working, that's when you saw the Lions go from 1-6 to 9-8. and eight. They went 8-2 and two the rest of the way, and you're right, they almost made the playoffs. But we haven't done that yet, okay? We scored 20 in the first game of the season. We scored 17 last week. We scored 10 this week. Our defense, our offense is getting worse as we go along, not better. Granted... The Broncos might be able to help us out with that, giving up 40 points a game on average so far. But uh, I don't know. It's a rough example. And (laughs) I'm not completely out on the Bears. I mean, I'm always going to be a fan. I'm always going to root for them. Okay, but I do this show, and you guys are not stupid. You guys watch these games, same as I do. You see what the Bears are putting out there. I'm not going to be the one trying to pour honey in your ear about what, about staying optimistic or or anything like that. I'm in prove-it mode right now. Okay, right now I'm picking the Broncos to win because I need the Bears to prove to me that they can actually win a game, that Eberflus can actually lead this team to victory that we can see the offense put it together. Now, I'm not putting it all on Justin Fields the way that some people are because, again, I'm not stupid, and I can see what's going on out there. Okay, you go back and you watch the tape, it's a mixture of things. When people are getting open, Justin's got no protection. Sometimes he is absolutely hanging on to the football too much. That's that's the thing about the offense. Even when we get it right, something goes wrong. And that was actually something that Luke Getze said today uh, in, the, in the press conferences is that he thinks that they're building towards something special, okay? I don't know if the press corps was able to hold back from laughing in his face uh, when he said that because up to this point, they haven't done anything to make anyone believe that that's even remotely true. But he said what he said. And, but he also stated that, that the Bears, looking back at the film, the Bears should have had an opportunity for like seven or eight big plays against the Chiefs on Sunday, but in every one of those plays, something went wrong. Justin made the wrong read. Uh, there, the, the tackle missed a block. The receiver ran the wrong route. Or, hell, they even lined up wrong was another one of the examples that was given. This is what we're talking about here. Okay, It's not all Justin Fields' fault, but on the times that it is, 
you know, it's like apparently it was just his turn to make a mistake. Everybody else got it right. He held on to the ball too long. He made the wrong read, made the bad throw, that kind of thing. That's why, you know, when 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 Justin is saying like, hey, man, we're 0-3. We got 14 games left. The Lions started 1-6 and and almost made the playoffs last year. That's absolutely true. Okay? Season's not over. There's 14 games left. And on top of it all, we do not have a hellscape of a schedule in front of us. We don't. We have the Broncos this week, the Commanders next week, the Vikings after that. Then we have the Raiders, then the Chargers. Those are the next five games that we have. I'm not scared of any of those teams. I'm a little leery of the commanders because they beat Justin Fields within an inch of his life last year uh, because our offensive line just could not block those guys. But none of those teams are like, oh, geez. Oh, God, they're going to kill us. Maybe the Chargers because they're awesome on offense and our defense is atrocious. But the Raiders don't scare me. The the The, the Vikings, they don't scare me. Um the command, I mean, it just nothing about this is just like, oh shit, boy, we're we're really in for it this week. You know, it, it's just the, these are all winnable games, but nothing that the Bears are doing would make you think that it's actually possible uh, at this point. So that's why I'm saying they got to prove it to me. I want to believe it. I absolutely do. I want to be in the. I want to be here on this podcast, pounding the table. We find we're we're turning it around. We you know blah blah blah. It's like, I believe in these guys, but I got to see them do it now. They have to make me believe. Okay, make me believe. I want to believe in you. I don't believe in you. I want to believe in you. Please. Okay, I'm not going to stop and start rooting for somebody else or or anything like that. No, I'm I'm in. Okay, I got blue and orange in my veins, bro. I'm not going anywhere. Okay, not going anywhere. Not going to stop doing the show. Never going to happen. Okay, I'm going to be right here. Okay, which kind of goes like to what we were, you know, with Jaquan Brisker bitching about the fans booing. Okay, long after you're gone, Quanny B, we're going to still be here rooting for this team, good, bad, or indifferent. That's just all there is to it. Okay, so when people boo, we're not booing the 2023 Chicago Bears. We're booing the organization and 30 years of watching this since Ditka got fired. You know, that's the last time we were a, a balls-out consistent winner because even Lovey had his, his roller coaster. We, were, we won more than we lost under Lovey for sure, but, you know, we had, we had 11 and 5, 7 and 9, 10 and 6, you know, 8 and 8, you know, that kind of thing. That it kind of went up and down under Lovey. But, like I said, we won a hell of a lot more than we lost, and we were always competitive under him. We've not seen a whole lot of that. We haven't really seen comp- competitive since 2019. 18, excuse me, 2018. Okay, Nagy's first year. 2019, you know, that's when I started the phrase, yeah, but. A lot of yeah, but victories. A lot of yeah, but victories in 2020. We went 6-11 and 11 in 2021, 3-14 last year. Ugh. Come on, man. You know, I'm here. I'm always going to be here. Okay, but if you want me out there in the streets, shouting the, the virtues of the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields, put it on the field and prove it to me. So I have evidence the next time that I want to go to somebody and say, hey, the Bears are this, the Bears are that, are going to be this, greatness is just around the corner, blah, blah, blah. Give me proof. Give me a reason to sing your praises out in the public. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit back here and wait. I'm waiting, okay? Dazzle me. I'm, I'm sitting here. 
Speaking of prove it to me, Iberflus says he will likely be calling the defensive plays for the rest of the season. Okay, so we're not going to have a defensive coordinator at least for the rest of 2023, or even if we do name one DC, he's going to Iberflus being he will be the play caller uh, nonetheless. So that answers uh, that question. Uh, And then in roster moves, or in roster news, I should say, the Bears signed uh, Jawan Williams off of the Vikings practice squad. Williams is a defensive back uh, from the, as I said, from the Vikings. He was a former second-round pick of the New England Patriots back in uh, 2019, so things obviously didn't work out if uh, if that's where... uh, if he ended up being a practice squad player. He signed with the Vikings in the offseason, got cut on uh, the final cut day, and was signed to the practice squad. The Bears have signed him to the roster, and I don't know. I have not heard of a corresponding roster move, so I don't know if we had a roster spot open um, because I don't know of anyone else that's gone on IR or anything. Like that, but looking at the injury report, it's no uh, no question as to why it is we uh, went out and got him. Because uh, let's see, the injury report is Josh Blackwell, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson. Did you notice a theme in those names? Every last one of those guys is a defensive back. Josh Blackwell still nursing the hamstring, has not practiced yet this week. Eddie Jackson, with the foot injury that took him out of the the Buccaneers game, has not practiced with that foot injury. Jalen Johnson, another hamstring injury, has not practiced yet this week. Tyreek Stevenson, on the other hand, has been full participation in both Wednesday and Thursday practices, is listed with an illness. And whatever that illness is, it's what took him out of the game on Sunday against the uh, Chiefs. Other names on the list, Travis Homer. Um, who was more of a special teams player for us, was limited with an ankle injury. And once again, Mercedes Lewis on the injury report, even though he's not injured for a veteran's day of rest. So I still don't know why that's actually on the end. If it's going to be on the injury report, I think it maybe should be more of a footnote, but that's more of a pet peeve of mine than an actual gripe, if you will. Uh, On the Broncos side of things, uh, Frank Clark, thank God, will uh, not be playing because he's a pass rusher, and God knows we've had our issues with those. Dealing with a hip injury, has not practiced yet this week. Uh, same for defensive tackle Mike Purcell, who's n- nursing a rib injury, not practiced yet. Josie Jewell, inside linebacker for the Broncos, has not yet practiced. Uh, wide receiver Jerry Judy, with a knee injury, has been limited on Wednesday and Thursday as his uh, Justin Simmons, their starting safety, Limited with a hip injury. So, you know, it looks like we got uh, those first three guys, Clark, Jewel, and Purcell. Uh, I actually read today that uh, Frank Clark doesn't think he'll play until at least week five. Uh, so we don't have to worry about him uh, this Sunday. And um, we'll see what, what goes on with with Judy and, and uh, Simmons. But uh, with them being limited, it means they're actually practicing. I think the odds are pretty decent we might see them in the game on Sunday. So, yeah, so it was kind of vital that we sign uh, Jawan Williams to kind of add some bodies to our secondary because uh, we're down to the bare bones and uh, 
Hell, I mean, even though Jaquan Brisker's not on the injured list, I think he's left all three games with an injury so far uh, this year. Will he make it four for four? Tune in on Sunday to find out. So we'll have to uh, wait and see how that one goes. So there you go for news and notes. And uh, now we'll move on to our <laughs> ultra interesting conversation that we had with uh, Lori Latimer Volkman. Uh, she was one of the very first guests I've ever had on the show because the Bears played the AFC West in 2015. She's been my one and only Broncos guest, so I'm happy to have her back uh, once again to, to preview Bears-Broncos week number four. I don't know who's going to want to watch this, but the Bears and the Broncos face each other at Soldier Field on Sunday after both teams just had epically bad performances against their prospective guests. Uh, the Bears gave up 34 before halftime. The Broncos gave up 35 before halftime, and then the Broncos doubled it while Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes took mercy after they scored another touchdown in the second half. And, uh, like I said, I don't know who's going to want to watch this, but uh, here to preview it, uh, nonetheless, from the Mile High Report, Lori Latimer of Oakman. Lori, uh, welcome back. Um, have you have you recovered from the hangover of watching something <laughs> like that? Because at least the Bears have like one of the worst internal weeks of all time to kind of lean yeah. on. But uh, you know, you guys just went out there, and uh, not that the Bears were any better, but you guys you guys stunk. Uh, on oh Sunday. Goodness. There's no other way to put it. You know, before this even, the season even started, we knew that the Miami Dolphins, that, that was going to be a tough game right. you know, because they, they've been improving. They had a good year last year, but just were inconsistent as Tua's health was inconsistent. And then um, we knew we were playing them in September. You know, it's just hot and humid. And, like, we never really play well there. So that was never going to be – an easy game. It was a game that I know a lot of people, a lot of my colleagues at Mile High Report, we already put it down as a loss way back in you know July. Right. But <laughs> I don't think we saw that coming. Right. I mean, and so, but however, no, I, I say that we didn't see that coming then. A week ago, when we had an 18-point lead on the commanders and then let them come all the way back and go ahead. Mm -hmm. We were making comments on Twitter and in our chat room that man, Miami is going to put 60 points on us. And we were joking, joking. And then they put 70. So we weren't even, our jokes weren't even good. Right. I mean, so I mean to ask if I've recovered. Yeah. Like at this point, it's <laughs> weird. We're in full tank mode over at right. Broncos Country. Well, I mean, it's it's really interesting because the calling card for you guys last year was if we had an offense, this is this defense is playing at a championship level, we would have won more, you know, 10, 11 games last year. I think I, I read a stat at one point, if the Broncos had just averaged 19 points a game, they would have been like 11 and 6 or something yeah. last yeah. year just because, you know, Russell Wilson couldn't and and, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, God bless him, uh, you know, couldn't score more than 14 points a game or, or whatever it was. And that defense was playing lights out. And now here we come and yeah. 
30, what, 35 last week against the uh, Commanders, 70 this past weekend uh, against the Broncos, or excuse me, against the Dolphins. What, what's going on with the defense? Are they just getting worn out out there, or is it injuries? What's the deal? No, I mean, so injuries haven't helped tremendously, but we had injuries last year. Ajiro Evero was able to do quite a bit with backup cornerbacks, which is always the case. It seems like those guys go down – you know, frequently. <laughs> and um, so it's, and essentially, and I was asking my colleagues this, I'm like, this is the same defense, right? Like basically the personnel is the same group for the most part. I mean, there, are, uh, you know, one or two differences and, you know, but for the most part too, it should be better differences. Um, so <laughs> it, I, we have to lean on the fact that Vance Joseph just might not be the smartest defensive coordinator out there. Um, you know, he was our former head coach, right. and that was a disaster. But even in those, even in the years he was our head coach, our defense was good. Our defense has been good since the Super Bowl year. Mm-hmm. Um, some years the defense has been a little better than others. Last year was very good. Under Vic Fangio, it was very good. We just never, ever had an offense. And so, you know, this year, the fact that we, like, we scored 33 points a week ago. This past weekend, even though we only scored 20, and one of those was a a kick return, you know, we had two touchdowns that got called back from penalties. You know, like, we had, we still had offense that we have not had in years. And we, but our defense just got trampled. And I, so to, to answer your question that you asked a half hour ago, I I honestly don't know why it's so bad, other than it has to be the scheme and the and the coaching that's you know like either not recognizing what other teams are doing, not you know and and therefore just kind of doing something that doesn't match with the way they're you know the way they've been doing film study all week and figuring out okay we can do this and take advantage of it because you know Mike McDaniel is a smart guy (laughs) and Vic Fangio is a smart guy and you know those guys put together a game plan that that clearly baffled us I think it would I think it would be a difficult one against any team as you know they're three and oh so clearly it is but 70 points is absurd it's just absurd yeah, and not to mention, uh, just before we started recording, we were talking about how you were saying that it's like, well, at least our, uh, at least the Chiefs took mercy on us. It's like, well, the Dolphins took mercy on us too. They put their backup quarterback, and then he goes for seventy yards over the top on Patrick Sertan uh, of yes. all people to make yeah. it, you know, 50, sixty-three or seventy, whichever it it was there at the end. It's like even the backups were coming in, breaking the scoreboard on the on the Broncos. It was just just a bad day all around. I mean, it was obscene. I, I'm sure. I'm sure at that point. I mean, the the last two or three touchdowns, partly that defense had to be exhausted. You know, yeah. I mean, they're chasing Tyreek Hill all over the field, and he's not even. And they're and they're running down the running backs. I mean, the running backs scored half the touchdowns. It yeah. wasn't even like it was all Tyreek and Tua. But you know, in that heat and humidity, and then just all that speed and running. I'm sure by the fourth quarter, they're like. F it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I bet. You know, but it's funny that, you know, you were saying that it, it's probably coming down to coaching or or the scheme. It's like that's what I've been saying for the last three weeks for 
the Bears because on paper, right. our our roster is way more talented than it was a year ago on both sides uh, of the ball, and we're still seeing the same things. We look like we've regressed and and even gotten gotten worse. I mean, Justin Fields looks utterly incompetent uh, <laughs> out there. And it's like, wait a minute, why aren't we at the very least doing what we were doing in the second half of the year last year when he almost broke the single-season Russian record for a a quarterback last year? Why aren't we at least doing some uh, of that? And we're we're not seeing that. It's uh, And I I don't don't know. And then for, like, the whole, uh, you know, disaster of the the Allian Williams thing, this all happened on the same day. Allian Williams resigned. The whole thing with the FBI raiding his place, Justin Fields blaming the coaching and then walking it back. Braxton <laughs> Jones, our starting left tackle, goes on injured reserve. It could be for the season with a neck injury. This was all within like a five-hour period uh, on right. Wednesday. And I was like, oh, yeah. And we're going to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs on Sunday. And then, just to put the candle on the cake there, Lori, Taylor <laughs> Swift and Travis Kelsey – over and over and over again, uh, just just like just I'd just shoot me, just shoot I me. Know. It can't get it. And we thought, okay, only seven nothing after the end of the first quarter. All right, so this might be nope. Twenty seven points in the second quarter. It's thirty four nothing. At never mind, never mind. Like never I mind know. the the us against the world. We're gonna show up for this thing. We're gonna band together. It's like nope. We're gonna go out there and look worse than ever uh, against the Chiefs, who've been struggling early on. Didn't see any struggle out of them on Sunday as they let the Bears have it uh, with both barrels. It was just like, come on, man. This, what, where, where do we go from here? You know? Well, you go to the Broncos. Yeah. And I saw a tweet online on like Sunday night said the Bears and the Broncos next Sunday could set football back 500 years. Like, you know. <laughs> I saw, yeah, I saw a tweet from uh, Bill Simmons that was like, how did we get, how did we deserve Bears Broncos next week? <laughs> Like I know. At least it's not on national television. At least it's not one of going to be one of those games yeah. where we're subjecting the rest of the country uh, to this. Just the the Chicago and Denver uh, markets will have to stomach this one uh, on Sunday. I'm not sure Denver's going to stomach it. I mean, I don't know how your fans are. Broncos fans have been spoiled, so we've been humbled the last seven years for sure. But mm. there's still there's still quite a bit of you know, we deserve better attitude and, and a lot of apathy I think is setting in. And so I, given that it's not going to be the, probably the greatest matchup, I mean, cause it's not like we're trying to take down a rival or <laughs> feeling like there's some motivation to bounce back. I, I, I would love to see the Nielsen ratings on how many people in the Denver market are watching that game. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've, I'm, I'm interested to, to to see um well i mean actually to answer your question the chicago fan base is is a one extreme or actually it's a rainbow of extremities i should say because on one end you have come on guys it's only week four let's be supportive they they said you know this team with all its new pieces needed time to gel uh you know all the way to fire everyone right now and start over completely, never mind uh, waiting for the rest of the season or, or any of that. Just just kill it now, rip the Band-Aid off, and, and start it. It's, it's one extreme uh, or the other, and, um, you know, it's it's just uh, – Bears Twitter has been a lot of fun the uh, the last few days. 
Well, I think they mimic each other. Broncos, Bears, Twitter, because although I think I don't think we have the rainbow. I think everybody is like, gash it. Yeah. You know, fire everyone. Go for Caleb Williams. I mean, there's a lot of Broncos fans who've been upset with the contract for Russell Wilson from the beginning. Sure. Um, you know, understandably, especially because the contract was made before he played a game. And then, of course, last year was a disaster. Yeah. I think this year we're finding out that last year definitely wasn't as much Russell Wilson's fault as it was the offensive coordinator and really Nathaniel Hackett, quite honestly, just for being totally chaotic and ill-prepared. And, you know, so it's a shame because I think, you know, Russell Wilson, unfortunately, in the fans' eyes and in Broncos country is just to blame for so much. (laughs) That's really not his fault. Um, You know, he's – he – does himself no favor sometimes with the way he has been in the media, but he's ultimately, he's still a very genuine guy. He's not an ass, you know, he's just, so, so I think it's unfortunate, but I think given his contract and just the inability to have ever made this a team that is a contender, people are like, blow it up, start all over. And, you know, we ever, I know at least, I would say two thirds of the writers at Mile High Report are, are pounding the table for Caleb Williams. <laughs> so, so how much of that? Uh, how much of that heat is Sean Payton getting though? Well, isn't that funny? I mean, I think this week there's a fair amount of heat on Sean Payton. Payton has been interesting because, and I pointed this out last week, and then this week I didn't even. I just kind of left it out there because I. The guy had so much bravado back in the you know middle of the summer. And, you know, it's Sean Payton. You expect that. And, and frankly, we all bought into it because we need that. We want a guy to come in, take over, fix it, and you know, do whatever he has to do, you know. And he kind of did that and certainly made a lot of comments, made them, unfortunately, nationally, or at least to USA Today's reporter about you know last year was the worst coaching job ever and it wasn't and part of what he was doing was saying it wasn't Russell Wilson's fault it wasn't the players fault it was the coaches so we're you know this is going to be better and I think I I think he it would have been better if he had said that a little differently rather than kind of actually pointing to Nathaniel Hackett but the truth of the matter is we all thought the same thing so ultimately Broncos fans were excited about Peyton coming in and making changes. But then he, you know, week one, we lose by one point to the Raiders. And it's like, I knew the Raiders were going to be pretty good. And I thought that was going to be a tough game. But it's your biggest rival at home, home opener with Sean Payton. It's like, you, you got to not lose that one. Right. And then we go and and base and blow a lead against a team that was considered Probably one of the worst ones in the NFL. I, I think they're proving they're not one of the worst, but you know they're probably not as good as they looked against us. And then we go to Miami, which again is going to be one of the best teams, but we like can't even compete at any level. And I think now Sean Payton looks ridiculous. And you know, and I I, I actually kind of appreciate that he's hopefully being humbled a little bit because those comments were were way premature yeah. you know um and i but i think when you look at his side of the ball you know the the offense is better the offense is moving the ball mistakes have 
been some of the reason that we've not scored as many points. Um, and, you know, that's partly on him. But, the, again, you know, you Cortland Sutton drops the ball. <laughs> Peyton didn't make him do that. So yeah. that's part of it. But but Peyton hired Vance Joseph. <laughs> and Peyton is maybe not, um, you know, I, I would think it's not really his job during practice to get involved with the defense. But after the last two weeks, you, you would have thought he might be a little more of a micromanager over Vance Joseph. And then, man, the wheels just came off against Miami. And Peyton said he's not firing anybody. I mean, I can't imagine that the new owners are going to fire Peyton right. yet. But um, I kind of get it. Like, what are you going to do after the third week? Uh, you know, if you fire Vance Joseph, who's, who's coming in? And does that really help your defense? I mean, if anything, make the guy who's there stay there and, and, you know, you've got that scheme. Like, I don't, I don't know the best answer, but I can't imagine that replacing the defensive coordinator in week four is really your best move overall. Right. Well, Um, we're, uh, we're in the midst of trying to replace our second defensive coordinator because (laughs) Eberflus is going to want to hand the play caller duties back to someone uh, right. I hear it might be our linebacker coach, Borgonzia. I hear he's the favorite in the clubhouse uh, yeah. right now to take over for essentially Allen Williams, but Iberflus has been doing the play calling the last two weeks, and we've looked. I mean, you, you've thought that, you know, I was like, well, the wizard is in charge now. He's Here's the guy. Yeah. This, this is what got right. him the job in Chicago in the first place, was being a, right. a solid defensive coordinator in Indianapolis. Well, we're handing the play card back to him after – uh, 2022, we were just awful uh, on defense all year long. And then the first game against Green Bay, here we go again, even yeah. with Jermaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, you know, and, and uh, that new young rookie Tyreek Stevenson at corners. Like, we've, we've added, we've bulked up this side of the ball, and we look worse than we did last year. And it's like, okay, personal reasons takes Williams away, or at least that was the line we were sold week two for Tampa Bay. And then <laughs> Baker Mayfield's going out there looking like Brett Favre on us. It's like, what is going on here? What is happening? And then, you know, we go up against the world champs who've struggled to, they scored 17 week two, 20 and week one, they scored 34 by halftime on us. It's like, well, good God. I mean, I was joking with my guest on, on the preview episode. I was like, you know, uh, historically in the eternal pessimist in me says, if you have a problem, play the bears, they will help you fix it. You know, having trouble finding the end zone? How about finding it five times before halftime against us? Or, you know, having trouble running the game? Isaiah Pacheco's running like a madman out there. You know, having trouble turning over the ball? Didn't turn it over once while Mahomes was out there. So it's like fixed all of that for Kansas City. They're ready to roll against the rest of the AFC now. So you're welcome. So. I I have no confidence that the Broncos will have that same success. <laughs> so you maybe it's going to turn we'll turn the tables and all the Bears woes will be fixed by playing the Broncos now. Right. This is what uh, what was it? Gorilla Monsoon used to say: the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Right. Uh, you know that's like which what's going to give? You know which which one of these defense is actually going to be the winning defense on Sunday, or will they just play a joke on us all and tie? You know, oh that goodness. is an option. That is an option. It's like two 0-3 teams coming here. Somebody's got to win. No, actually, nobody has to win if it goes the, if it goes the right way. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, but you guys have said you, you've been playing better uh, on offense. 
So what do we have to look out for? Because you're playing the worst defense in, in well, in the NFC at least. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. We can, we are battling for the worst defense in the NFL, I'm right. sure. Well, 726 I... yards of total offense will definitely put you at the bottom. That's uh, That one's got to hurt pretty bad for the average, you know. That's got to hurt the average quite a bit. It's uh... – I mean, I know it's it's still hard to like you hear that and you just think over three games. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, hey, was did somebody put the game of Madden on CBS? What's going on yeah. with this? You know, oh. this was actual real football that took place on Sunday. Yeah, well, I would say that you know the guy to look out for if if the offense will actually scheme him more often is Marvin Mims, our rookie wide receiver. Um, he's the guy. He had a. He had a kick return for a touchdown last week, 99 yards. And if you see the highlight, you know, he's running, you know, he's kind of going through breaking, breaking tackles. He does, he cuts basically all the way across to midfield before he goes diagonal and just outruns what, you know, one guy. So he's got great, great vision, great, you know, great, um, cutback ability and then he's also been in both last week and the week before he's been our our long you know deep ball guy he's caught 50 yard pass 38 yard pass um and you know while while running and still running after the catch I mean so I honestly think he's he's probably our toughest receiver to cover right now um Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are the, you know, wide receiver one and two. And I think, uh, you know, quite good. Judy seems to still be kind of getting back into the swing of the offense. And um, Cortland Sutton is a, you know, big bodied receiver, but he's not. So he's going to win contested balls for the most part, but he's not super fast and, and a big, you know, yards after catch guy. So I, I would look out for Mims. And then I think our running game is Decent. I don't think it's, you know, it's going to be uh, getting any awards. But I, I think that our two running backs, particularly Javante Williams, he's a power back. He's strong. He will, he will keep going and keep running, running into you. So I, you know, we have, we have weapons, and and really, Sean Payton has definitely been designing and drawing up great plays. And move, we've moved the ball down the field. We have struggled a little bit in the red zone. Um, but a lot of times it's been penalties and not so much actual offense. All right. Well, how about on the uh, on the defensive side, at least? Um, I'm not so much worried about, like, the secondary or your linebackers. I am worried about the pass rush. Is that going to be anything to worry about on Sunday? Because that's, that's what's been our, our, our Achilles heel is, is in the trenches. We can't, especially in the pass rush, we can't block anybody. Well, Here's what I would say is that it it should be a problem. Like we think we have players who can affect the quarterback, but <laughs> and this is where I think scheme and and Vance Joseph have been to blame. In the first game against the Raiders week 1, we had almost no pressure on Garoppolo. You know, like this is this is a guy who's a pocket passer. <laughs> so, I mean he runs, but he he got away like he actually torched our our defense because we'd we'd send guys and he'd just kind of run around and run through and then get thirteen yards. I mean, so we were we were we blitzed a bunch 
in that first game, but our quarterback pressures were low. So we're not very effective, right? And then game two, it's almost like Vance Joseph heard all the complaints about, you know, quarterback pressure being, you know, so low that he just decided to send send everybody all the time. And we, we had, I think we had, I don't remember our stats, but the problem was, our secondary was was ineffective, so we weren't really sacking the quarterback. We had more, we had a little more success, but basically, teams are getting the ball out before we get there. So, if Justin Fields can do that, or if he can take off running, I think we're you know we could be in trouble. I don't know, man. We'll have to see. <laughs> well, I mean, last week was I mean, literally the words out of his mouth were effort. I'm just going to go out there and play football the way I know how to play football. He felt like he was too uh, robotic. Yeah. yeah. That, well, you know, that while he's out there, he's trying to process everything that he's been taught, and he's, like, doing it in real time on the field as opposed to in, in the microcosm that he's supposed to be processing it uh, right. after the snap of the uh, football and everything. And before you know it, this guy's not open. That guy's not open. Here comes this one. I got to run. Oh, wait, I just took a sack for a, an eight-yard loss, and now we're out of field goal range and uh, and things like that. So he's just going to go out there and play his game, and we didn't see that uh, against uh, Kansas City. you know. But in, in his defense, I think we had the ball like seven minutes in the first half because Kansas City was too busy you know, establishing drives and scoring touchdowns uh, yeah. on us in that one. So yep. you know, maybe the Broncos will give us a chance to, at the very least, put some kind of offensive rhythm together so yeah. we know what it looks like when we when we're actually going to play uh somebody else it's like i just uh i i, I shudder to think what could happen if we don't win but i you know i i'm having a trouble i'm having trouble picking the even against the broncos i'm having trouble picking the bears right now well <laughs> i you know to me i would I, I don't know how much the home field advantage is for you guys. It's definitely always a big deal for the Broncos. So right. playing, you know, playing away is, is, I, you know, it's tough for, tough for us. We're coming off such a bad loss. It's hard to tell if players were feeling ready to bounce back or more just totally uh, stifled, like, you know, just totally down, like not even having any motivation because they feel dejected. I mean, that's how the interview sounded. So I'm well, like Garrett Bowles. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm really curious to see how they, how they bounce back or don't um, just in, you know, just in mood, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just in their, you know, the, the way they go into the game, their mentality. I do think our offense should be better than your offense. So if, you know, all things being equal in terms of bad defense, hopefully we can, we can score, but I'm not sure our defense won't be able to, you know, keep the keep it from just being even all the way. So we might end up with that tie that you were talking about. Well, you know, or at least it will be, you know, like, well, out of nowhere, this was the best game of week four. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, they went right. in back and forth with right. each other all game long. It came down right down yeah. to the wire and blah, blah, right, blah. And 54, 52. Why not? Ends. Why not? 106 I mean, why points. Not? Just, you know, just rack it all up. But, I mean. The Bears are such a mess. The Bears are such a mess that even Vegas is like, yeah, Denver just gave up 70 points. They're going on the road. 
Let's make them two and a half point favorites for the game against the Bears on Sunday. I was like, what a slap in the face. What a slap in the face. We're at home against this team that just gave up 70 and we're underdogs. That's crazy. I know you don't even get the like home field advantage three, you know, the the, the three point home field advantage. Yeah. Well, it's the thing is we also, it'll be interesting to see if Justin Simmons and Frank Clark play because they were two players, you know, two important starters that we didn't have on defense last week. I don't think having them in the game meant we weren't, you know, we weren't going to lose that. Maybe we'd lose by, you know, 50 to 20 instead of 70 to 20, but um, they are both important people to our defense. And if they're healthy, I think they, you know, that will make a difference. You know, Justin Simmons is a, is a ball hawk and, and a good, you know, good in coverage. Frank Clark should, affect that pass rush he he hasn't done enough in my opinion but still there's potential but if they're both out <laughs> i mean i don't know <laughs> like yeah. Patrick Dan is like the only the about the only true i think um Star? really good yeah Secondary, Kareem Jackson's very good but he's getting older and he's clearly lost a step Damari Mathis I mean, he's five yards off the ball every time. So whoever he's covering, throw to him. That's that's your plan. And um, and running game, you know, we're, we were supposed to have shored that up with our, you know, with Frank Clark and with um, Zach Allen. And, you know, the Dolphins just ran through and over and around yeah. and on top of us. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I know. But uh, and I know it's only Tuesday, so our players have the day off today. There's nothing going on in the facilities. We're talking early uh, in the week, but um, how do you see this thing playing out? Because honestly, I have no idea. And yeah. but it's like I know that you guys are playing on better on offense. We're just flat out not. And it's like so I'm I'm having a hard like I said having a hard time picking the Bears, even though we're placing uh, facing a defense that just gave up seventy. Uh, yeah, on right. Sunday, but they gave it up to the NFL's version of a track meet, um, <laughs> uh, you know, with with Tyreek Hill and Raheem yeah. Mostert and uh, what was his name, Arcane or something like that, that had three touchdown yeah. runs on on Sunday yeah. as well. So, I mean, where where how do you see this thing uh, playing out? Yeah, I mean, I would like if assuming we don't just fold because literally, literally everybody has the Garrett Bowles mentality right now. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I th- I do think we should score, and I would think our defense could be, you know, should be able to be effective against you guys, mostly because Justin Fields is struggling, you know. Like, I think that that is the teams we've played to this point have had quarterbacks playing very well. I mean, even with the commander, Sam Howell was playing well. Yes, he was. Um, so... You know, if, if your quarterback's struggling, that helps us tremendously. <laughs> um, and so I I would give the edge to the Broncos, but, you know, like Vegas, I'm not giving them a big edge. Right. <laughs> There's not that many points to it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a pick em game with my listeners uh, this year. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, so, and we're doing confidence points as well. So it's not just <laughs> about getting the pick. you got to get the points as, as well. And if – yeah, and if I do if I do Denver, it's not getting any more than a than a two out of sixteen as far as confidence. Yeah. Even if I pick the Bears, it's gonna be like a one or a two. <laughs> so if I get the get the pick wrong, then it's not gonna hurt my total 
uh, too yeah. much. But it's like, you know, it's it's basically going to be like a coin toss as far as making the actual pick, and then the confidence point will be like one or one or two because even the coin flip I'm not confident in uh, at this point. So, But I bet you the yeah. joke's going to be on all of us, and it's still going to be a good game uh, on Sunday just because – why not? Why couldn't it? Why not just, you know, yeah. not, let's not it let's not have it be that oh, this game is going to set football back 100 years or something like that. Let it be like, hey man, this game was actually a lot of fun. People should check this out or to be one yeah. getting the the replay on NFL Network during the week. So. Yeah. Well, in your locker room though, like because you have a you have a relatively young team yes. for the most part, right? So so they don't even even though, you know, so far this year and last year, not great. Like they don't have years of losing. Whereas we have quite a few players with years of like that have, we, we have nobody left from the Super Bowl team. Right. So everyone on the team, um, especially those who've been there four or five years, but then we have a couple who've been here, you know, seven, all they have done is lose. And, and every year is like setting records of the, the most losses in a season. And then the next year, more most losses in a season. And then, you know, starting 0-6, like the first time we've done that since 1966 or some crazy stuff where I think we really are in danger of a loser mentality. I mean, other a lot of people would argue we have that already. I wouldn't have said that prior to last week. But I think now when you lose that badly – and you have a team that takes pity on you, you know, and like puts in as many backup players as they can. And you, they still score on you like that, you know, that is demoralizing. And I, I feel like I think our team, I don't know about the bears team, but I think our team will have a hard time going into Chicago with that mindset. Like, all right, new week, new game. Let's go. <laughs> They're going to be like, we got 15 more of these. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess it's just going to come down to what you and I were talking about before, and it's the it's going to come down to coaching. Which one of these coaching staffs will be able to get their team more ready than the other uh, to show up and play? Uh, on All Sunday? right. So, what's your confidence that your team can do that? That your coaching staff can get the players ready, regardless of compared to the Broncos? But do you think your coaches can rally these guys, these players? If this was last year, absolutely. Because our team was inferior on paper versus just about anybody, and we fought everyone down to the end. We fought yeah. everyone. We played the Bills and the Eagles. We gave them all the game of their life until, like, the fourth quarter, then reality set in. <laughs> Ta- you know, talent takes over, yeah. and yeah. they would pull away from us. This year, we're out of the gate not looking good. You know, yeah. it's not like we're giving them hell for the first three quarters and then in the fourth quarter, it, you know, okay, well, now – now we're going to go ahead and, you know, they've outlasted us kind of thing. This year we're looking bad out of the gate, so we're not even ready to play at kickoff, let alone fighting to the very end uh, kind of thing. Yeah. And also, even though it's a different team, a different organization, Sean Payton's kind of always had our number. So I'll, uh, like I, I would have to concede to him being able to get you guys more ready than our guys. Well, that's, yeah. And that's the other thing where, where youth is hurting us because there's really nobody on the team that has been through a like you know let's let's push through this uh, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think Ngakwe is the oldest guy on the team, and he was only like twenty nine or something like that. <laughs> right. So it's just right. uh, we don't have a lot of that veteran experience where there can be a leader. Like even a Russell Wilson who's won a Super Bowl can lean on right. something like that. So we we don't have that on our team. So I I just don't uh, 
I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think we're missing, we're actually missing an emotional leader. And I get it when you're not winning, it's kind of hard to be over on the sidelines and be taken seriously. If you're like, come on guys, we got this. You know, I can see how no one's buying that when you're down by 50 points or, you know, 40 or 35. (laughs) But at the same time, you need, you do need someone who like just has positive energy. And I don't think we have any positive energy. And I, and I don't think the coach is showing it. I, I was talking to my colleagues at Mile High Report because, you know, I just watched, I had to watch on TV. And of course, because Miami kept scoring constantly, the only thing the TV really showed was all those guys dancing and all their celebrations, and then they cut to Mike McDaniel, and they go show Vic Fangio in the booth because they got to talk about how he's our former coach and blah, blah, blah. So we didn't, at least, you know, watching on TV, you didn't see our sidelines immediately after some of those scores or, or whatever to see what's going on. But I I don't feel like, I don't feel like Sean Payton, I almost feel like he's trying to find scapegoats so that it's not on him, mm. you know, like putting it, on Russell or putting it on Vance Joseph. He's not saying that, but his actions aren't really showing that he's part of this, you know, that he recognizes that. I mean, this past week he said he actually owned it a little more than he did the week before. Um, But I'm concerned that in our locker room, they've already given up and, you know, fans have so it's it's hard it's just hard when you are surrounded by people who don't believe in you and you have coaches that don't seem to be rallying you because they're looking for their own you know trying to save their own ass and save their jobs um so it it could be a toilet bowl for sure on sunday but i i i will mostly be looking to see to check our our mentality check our you know the psychology that's, that's, uh, that's a good point because we've, we've seen a lot of that on the sidelines. They like to show Justin Fields sitting there kind of staring off into the abyss <laughs> on the sidelines while our opponent scores another touchdown or, <laughs> right. or something like that. You don't see him walking around on the sidelines, you know, clapping. It. And granted, it could just be luck of the draw as far as like, you know, this is what he's doing at this moment right. uh, kind of thing. Right. But it's like every time they cut to him, he's just sitting there. He's just yeah. staring at the scoreboard or staring out into space or, or whatever. He's not talking with uh, the quarterback coach or with Getsy or, uh, or with anything like yeah. that. You don't see him preparing to take on uh, the next drive. So maybe that's also on them on on coaching and they're not talking about what to do next and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So the only way to find out is for the game to get here on Sunday and. After our Sundays, I know neither one of us is really rushing to watch our team play again at the moment. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's only Tuesday. We're doing this early in the week. we got five whole days to wrap our yeah. minds around the idea of watching our teams take the field one more time. And, uh, you know. Well, the, the interesting thing is, in some ways, for both of us, like, playing you guys and you playing us would be like, oh, thank goodness, we're playing a team that's struggling. Like, maybe we can win. Right. On the flip side, whoever loses this game is like, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> and the only but, good thing about losing on Sunday is that we play on Thursday next week. So you basically just have to toss it in the toilet and, and move on to the next right. one. The good thing about Thursday is that you don't have a lot of time to dwell on what yeah. happened on Sunday. You got to get ready for thir- – you only got three days to get ready uh, yeah. for the next game. So even if we lose – Win, win or lose, or even tie on Sunday, 
yeah. we gotta we gotta forget about it because we gotta get ready for the commanders on on uh on Thursday. So we'll uh do you well, at least you have the commanders. I mean again they're they're not a bad team, but no. they're 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 beatable. But they're <laughs> but they're good. <laughs> they're they're strong where we're weak, which is up front. And last year they beat Justin Fields within an image of his life on Thursday night football last year. So now we're going to Washington so they can do it to us again which is what has me worried. But I did kind of theorize. It's like, let's just say, for argument's sake, we lose on Sunday to the Broncos, and then we lose again to the Commanders on Thursday. We got a 10-day break between then and week number six. Fire everybody. Well, I mean, that would be a good time to let go of Eberflus because the other thing to keep in mind is that we've lost 13 games in a row now. We lost the last 10 games of the regular season and the first three games of – this year, we haven't won in almost a full calendar year at yeah. this point. And if we're zero and five, and staring down, we got the like the Vikings, the, the 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 Saints, the Chargers, all coming up after this. Like it's not going to get. It's, <laughs> we we have all those teams too. I yeah. mean, obviously not the Saints, but it's gonna it's gonna be ugly. We were we were all talking about how when you look at our schedule now, especially after watching us play for three weeks. Find two more wins. Like, I don't know. We, <laughs> it's gonna, we got maybe the Bears. I think people would have said Houston, but Houston's looking good. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so, so we, we could be a winless season if we're not careful. Yeah, and it's just uh, with the way we're playing, who are you picking them to beat at this point? Exactly. You know, who are I'm you not picking, picking them anyone. to beat? It's like on paper, it's like all of these games are winnable. But with the way we're playing, would you pick them to win any of them right now? Yeah. Just like I just – I can't. I can't because we see like one drive of like, why can't we keep doing that? And then the rest of the game like, oh, so this is what we're doing. So just all (laughs) of that. that. There's just not enough consistency to think that, hey, man, we can put it together for 60 minutes and actually get some wins together. Maybe we could steal three or four uh, at this point, because I thought at going into the season that our our floor was six or seven wins. Yeah. Now I'd be dancing in the street with six or seven wins with the way these guys <laughs> are playing. And sadly, Dude. it would be a great improvement from last year's three and 14. But from where we thought this team could be, which is anywhere from seven wins to 11 is kind of like the range everyone was looking at. It's like that's a figment of our imagination now. That's never, never going to get with the way we're playing right now. A lot of football left well, to be played. We got 14 more of these bad boys to go, but I I just don't know. I don't see where we get seven wins out of this with the way we're playing. Yeah, same. And I've always been one to be totally against the whole tank mentality. Sure. And I'm still I'm still against it as a as an actual strategy. But I am partly hopeful that that we do lose all the games because at this point, what we what we have been doing the last three or four years is we get five wins, we get six wins. We get, I think, I think we've been set. We had, I think the most wins we've had in the last seven years is seven wins, but we never, so then you're just middle of the pack, which means you don't get the best pick in the draft. So you don't really get that much better, but -hmm. you didn't have a good enough team to begin with because you're so far down. So, uh, you know, we like you, we keep, we stay in this purgatory for a really long time. And so, It, I do see the sense in we need to blow it up or we need, we need to blow up so that we can start over because at this point we have put a ton of money into a couple players. We put a ton of money into a coach 
and we're we're tied up. We don't have we do have a finally some regular draft picks next year, but we've got to start. We need to get more, and we need to get build start actually truly rebuilding because we can't keep doing this. Fans won't stand for it, and you know it's it's expensive to go to a game. Yes, and ex- and I don't know where the Bears tickets fall, but Broncos tickets are among the most expensive in the NFL, and. Um, you know, the whole game experience is just a ton of money. And people are like, I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. They're giving up their season tickets. They're not going to the games. I mean, watching it is is hardly the biggest issue um, for teams. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I um, gave up on trying to go to NFL games, um, even in Soldier Field. And I was like, I've moved back to the Chicagoland area. So I'm here now. And yeah. even now, I'm like, no. 300, 300 bucks at least for like, you know, 100, 200 level seats. It's like, no, no. Yeah. And it's like your commercial breaks are seem to be 10 times longer when you're in the stadium, uh, you know, and all that. You don't have the benefit of commentary or the same kind of replays that they're getting on yeah. television. It's just yeah. better to watch it all at home. If, if I want a game experience, I go to a college game because something about the atmosphere of college football, I don't really need the commentary or, you know, the commercials or any of that kind right. of stuff. But right. um, as far as, like, watching pro games, I, I got to do it on TV. Being there, the atmosphere just isn't enough of a draw for me to go and actually see the game uh, in person, right. not to mention the ticket price is a deterrent just on its own. <laughs> right. Not to mention spending, you know, not that I drink, but $14 on a beer, $8 on a hot dog. Right. God forbid I want fries or chips or I bring yeah. someone with me, you know, yeah. so I got to pay for them. No, absolutely. It will take out a loan to go to a football yeah. game nowadays. Well, and, you know, like last week, if you were a Broncos fan, you just needed to keep drinking those beers to stand all those scores <laughs> from the Dolphins. So well, I that saw, was an expensive road trip for anybody who did it. I saw somebody, it, they were Dolphins fans, God bless them. But they were saying the tradition in their household is to do a tequila shot every time the Dolphins <laughs> score a touchdown. I was yeah. like, ten shots by the end, and everybody's blackout drunk by the end yeah. of this by right. the end of this game. Ten shots well, of tequila. The Dolphin apiece. mascot does push-ups, I think, and he had to he had to turn to sit-ups because he can't do seventy push-ups in the end zone. <laughs> right. Well, it's not. It's just that he did seventy. He did sixty-three before, fifty-six right. before that, That's forty-nine, right. and so on. And so forth. So he didn't do 70 push-ups. He did like 500 if you add it all up together. So, yeah, I understand. Well, he couldn't even lift his arms afterwards. No, no, it was funny. It was was good. It was entertaining. Well, Laurie, this has been entertaining at the very least. Hopefully the game will be as much fun uh, as this conversation was as we both sit and uh, cry in our beer for a little bit. Uh, with our with our zero and three teams going in, which one's going to come out zero and four, and which one is going to fire its entire coaching staff uh, afterwards? <laughs> who's going to kill it? Who's going to get rid of its quarterback and start over again? It, it's really the 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 tank yeah. bowl here, and and finding out which one of us is going to come out right. the other side a win. It could be a good bingo game. We yeah. can, there, there's some good there's some good squares there to create. Yeah, who the, fires their coaching staff first? Yeah. <laughs> so. You know how many uh, how many how many times are we going to hear that Eberflus is off to the worst start of any head any <laughs> head coach in the history of the franchise, which has only been for the entire length of the NFL itself and uh, everything. It's a lot of history to be the worst at. Uh, you know. So, oh no! Yeah, hundred and five well. years I think of NFL football. So hundred and five years of NFL of you know Bears head coaches. 
And, uh, yeah, Aberflus is the absolute worst out of all of them. Three and 17 uh, in two, two point four, two, one point one and a quarter yeah. seasons of football. So it's, it's pretty bad. So, yeah, but I imagine Sean Payton's not too happy about how this season is going to is going to hurt his overall career stats. I bet. Which, which were so good that they touted all the way through the spring, you know, right. that we're getting this guy with the 67% win record, you know, blah, blah, blah. So where can we keep up with you uh, online and follow your tweets and, and your misery following the Broncos? Yeah, right. So you can find me at Doc LLV on Twitter. You can read my stuff on milehighreport.com. And you can find my YouTube show, The Roundup, on, honestly, the best ways to find it is on my YouTube channel, which is Lori Lattimore Volkman. So, so is that a, like a pregame or a postgame thing? Or? Well, so it's interesting that you ask. It was mostly a pregame where I'd kind of round up the week's news and then preview, you know, what was to come. And then this year I started doing postgame. Um, but you regret it, you started doing that, huh? Yes, it's too much, and it's too like I can't do it all it, over like the span of two days doing two video shows or right. you know, three days, and then when they're so terrible, it's like it's not even fun. Right. So I think beginning this next weekend, I'm going to switch to doing just the the post show, and then if it's so bad that we're losing everything, I might just game. not do it. I don't know. <laughs> I'll start. I mean, I'll do other stuff. I'll start drinking on camera. We'll there you go. Bingo. I don't know. Here we go. All right. I, it's it's a nightmare. Yes. <laughs> As you know, it's tough yes, to know. cover a team that's doing that's not doing well because fan. It's hard to get fans interested in another potential loss. So. Yeah. Yeah, especially, I mean, and thankfully I'm not one that, that drinks the Kool-Aid and I'm not one of the ones that's like, oh, come on, guys, we can do it yeah. this weekend. It's like, you know what, it's awful, but uh, we got to root for our guys. We'll go out there and maybe they can, you know, surprise us and, and get it done. Otherwise, it's just another three hours to chill out in front of the TV on Sunday. That's the worst of it right there. So That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, Lori. You remind yourself it's just a game. It's just a fun game that we all get really angry about. <laughs> really, really angry and only ruins the first three days of the next week and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I know. So, so thank you for making my second day of the week not so bad. My, uh, my, uh, my, uh, I, I, I'm, I thank you as well uh, for doing the same to me. You are very welcome. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon, Laura. You take care. Thanks. You do the same. So who do you think won this argument? Did 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 uh, did she convince you that we have a shot, or did I do a better job of, uh, you know, th- telling her how it was the Broncos are going to come on top of this thing? I mean, I know that she's ultimately she thinks the Broncos uh, can win, and um, I agree with her. But as I, if you guys listened to the uh, to the uh, the fourth phase, the NFL show uh, yesterday, I. Um, I'm only putting two points on the on the Broncos to win. So it's not high confidence. Like, I won't be surprised at all if the Bears manage to win this game on Sunday. But again, I'm in prove-it mode with the Bears. They have to show me they can actually put together a 60-minute performance that will be enough to win a game. They haven't done it yet. And, um, you know, actually, frankly, we haven't seen it in a year, not since we beat the Patriots 
uh, in week seven of last season that the Bears put together a performance from start to finish that was enough to win them a game. There was always some place that we came up short. And whether it was not making the right adjustments coming out of the sec- you know, coming into the second half or getting off to a slow start last year or whatever the situation was, there was always a huge chunk in the game where we, we fell short. And, and mostly it was more towards the back half uh, of, the, of the game, not being able to finish games. Like how many, I think at least three or four times last year, the Bears had a chance in a single score uh, game with the ball. We had you know, a couple of minutes, maybe a timeout uh, or two, and we almost immediately give the football back because we went four and out and boom, done. It was like never once have we actually just marched down the field and put it together and gone out and, and won the game. And we're closing in on a full calendar year since the Bears have won a game. I think the Patriots game on Monday Night Football last year was like October 22nd uh, or something like that. So Sunday's game will be October 21st, or excuse me, October 1st, which would be 21 days since our last, 21 days short of a full year uh, for our last victory. So, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But uh, anyway, uh, let's wrap things up here. We got keys uh, to the game, and you know it's it's mostly offensive because I don't really know what it's going to take with the defense. Well, actually, I do have one for defense at the end, so I'll save it. But on offense, something I would like to see the offense do: um, attack the middle of the field. Let's do that. Let's get away from the goddamn screen plays. Okay, or the quick outs or anything like let's stop with all that. This is not college. Okay, we're not in college where you know you you have an, an elite athlete who can catch a three yard pass and get the rest of the ten yards on his own. This is this is not the league for that. Okay. So how about you give our guys a shot? Maybe run some slants across the middle of the field, something. Because I mean like I said, I don't get to watch uh, the All-22s uh, or anything like that. But, like, the clips that I see online, that's the stuff that I see where, like, oh, there's, you know, Justin wasn't the problem there. It was like, okay, nobody's getting open, you know, that kind of thing. But you got to imagine the middle of the field is wide open because the Bears don't attack the middle of the field. They're always taking everything to the outside, especially in the passing game. Even in the passing game, Justin is throwing to the sideline throwing to the sideline. How will we attack the middle of the field? Okay, anybody who's watched tape on the Bears this year knows we're going to the outside. We're throwing out routes. It's like we're not throwing anything to the middle of the field. So whether it's quick slants or anything, you know, seam routes for the tight ends, whatever, attack the middle of the field. And it's just like, I don't know if this will work, but it's got to be the opposite of what we were doing. Let's try the opposite of what we've been doing. We've been trying to attack the outside of the field. It has not worked. It has looked really, really bad, as a matter of fact. So why not attack the middle of the field? I know there's more people in the middle of the field, but with the way the defenses are watching tape on the Bears, you have to think they're putting most of their resources on getting everything to the outside. So the middle of the field's got to be open. It has to be. So let's try and do that. Go with quick slants across the middle to Mooney, to Moore, Komet, Tunyon, whatever, Roshan or Herbert coming out of the backfield to the middle of the field. Not across, not to the outside or to the sidelines 
or in, outside the hashes. I want inside the hashes attacking the middle of the field. We might find a gold mine of yardage there. Okay. Cause you'd have to think with the way that we've been playing, especially these first three games. I mean, we'll just go back and look at the first three games. Anytime we try to go to the outside, there are multiple defenders waiting for us out there. Okay. We're running those quick screens. I, I saw like, like Adam Hogue loves to find these the screenshots multiple times where we got our receiver and the guy that's helping him block. And there are four defenders out there. So two on four, those numbers don't work. Obviously not. Okay. So attack the middle of the field. Cause you see they're flying to the outside. They're flying to the outside. So attack the middle, see what happens. Okay, just for shits and giggles, let's attack the middle, please. Okay, and then the other thing that will also, uh, you know, account for us attacking the middle of the field, run the ball. Run the ball, please. Okay, Herbert is a beast. Run the ball. Roshan Johnson, I think, is a superstar waiting to happen. I really do. Give him the ball. Run the ball, please. Two tight ends. Put a fullback in the backfield, run the power eye, run the ball. Okay? Run the ball. We can open up play action with that. Everything. Run the ball. We were the number one running team in the NFL last year. Why, why did we get away from it? Why? Run the ball. Please. Run the ball. With Justin, with Herbert, with Roshan, hell, even if Devontae Foreman's going to be, or Deontay Foreman is going to be, active because he's been a healthy scratch the last two weeks put him in there give him the football tell him to run it up the middle okay and also please activate Equinemius St. Brown please he's the best blocking receiver that we have he's been a healthy scratch the first three games of the season okay I know that we're not going to get a lot from him in the passing game but for what we're trying to do he started every single game last year I'm pretty sure he did I know he started most of them anyway he was an excellent blocker, and Justin Fields, as part of that, Justin Fields ran for 1,100 yards last year. Okay? Let's, please. Okay? Don't make Just Honestly, why do we even have Valus Jones on the team anymore? He hasn't returned a kick yet. He always just lets him fly, and it's like, can we trade him for Cordell Patterson? Cordell Patterson's seven yards deep in the end zone. He's bringing it out. Okay? Just something. We need something. We need a spark. We need something. Okay, grow some balls, get the ball, catch the ball, and bring it out. You know, who cares if you tackle the 10-yard? Bring it out at least. It's like, otherwise, why is Valus Jones uh, active? Why? He's not out there on the field running routes or anything like that. Is he that valuable? Is he that much better on special teams than Equinemia St. Brown? Because we can actually use Equinemia St. Brown on offense. And he plays special teams. We're not using Valus Jones on offense. I have not seen number 12 on the offensive side of the ball yet. So how about we just make Equinemia St. Brown, put him out there, make Valus Jones inactive. That guy that we traded for, or not traded for, but that we got we picked up, Trent Taylor, who, who I have seen on offense, who is our punt returner, let him return kicks too. Okay? Two birds, one stone. Get Equinemius out there helping us block on the outside. He'll be way better at it than Chase Claypool was. And then 
you know, maybe we might see something going. I'm not saying that Equinemius is the key, but I'm saying versus what we had last year, what we got from him last season is actually something that is missing from this year's offense. So please, let that be my third key. So I'm going to throw in the fourth. That was the defensive one I talked about on defense. Blitz, blitz, and then when you're done blitzing, blitz again. Blitz some more. We are not getting home with four, okay? And until we figure out how to do that, send more, okay? Honestly, and I know this will sound ridiculous, I don't care if they beat us when we blitz, okay? After weeks, and actually for the past two seasons, watching the Bears try to get home with four, being the worst team in the league and in getting the passer at uh, you know, uh, causing pressures or you know, putting pressure on the quarterback, being the worst at it, and only sending four week in and week out. Please, for the love of God, blitz. Sanborn is really good at blitzing, actually. So send him. Okay, send Tremaine Edmonds. Send Edwards. Send them all. Send Jaquan Brisker. He led the team in sacks last year. Send him on the safety blitz. Okay, for the love of God, we're not getting home with four. Send the house. I don't care. If they beat us, fine. Okay? But I'm not, it's like, yeah, it will suck watching them get a first down when we blitz, but I will never, ever get upset watching you actually try. Okay? Week after week, we watch you try to just send the four defensive linemen. No one's even getting close to the quarterback most of the time. And watching these offenses pick us apart. Okay, it would be a much easier pill to swallow. As silly as it sounds, it would be a much easier pill to swallow if I saw us getting beat when we're sending six or seven or or whatever. Okay, number one, I'm I, I'm if we never run zone again for the rest of the season, I'll be fine with that. Okay, we're terrible at zone. I'm tired of watching these receivers and tight ends and running backs finding these wide open, like gaping holes in our zone coverage. Uh, to the point where it's, you know, they've already got what they needed and then some before anyone even gets close to tackling them, okay? Because it's, it's not like they're catching the ball and then being tackled immediately. It's like, no, they're catching the ball. They needed eight and they got 17, okay? They needed five, well, they got 26, you know, that kind of thing. That's what's really bothering me. And if they send the house and then they got the chunk yardage, okay, we sent, uh, you know, we sent too many. There was an opening in the zone or the, they went with the hot route and boom, they, they, they beat us on it. Fine. Fine. I need to see more effort and I need to see us actually trying something that might work after a, basically us banging our heads against the wall, trying to send four and never getting home. Okay. So blitz blitz. And then when you're done blitzing blitz some more, God damn it, please. Okay. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Watching us over and over again. Even with this upgraded defensive line with Ngakwe and Demarcus Walker uh, and, you know, a second year from Marcus Robinson. Not Marcus Robinson. I'm forgetting his name now. His first name, anyway. Robinson, the former quarterback that's our defensive uh, end now. We send send more. Send five. Send six. I don't care. Send eight. I don't give a shit. Go after the quarterback. Get there. Send more than they can block. Get after Russell Wilson. Let's do some damage 
on Sunday. Sending four isn't working. Send the house, please. Okay, let's be aggressive. Let's actually look like we're trying to win the goddamn game because on defense, it doesn't look like that. It doesn't. It looks like we're fine to be the best defense in the league on first and second down and then just roll over and do, let them do whatever they want on third down. And we've been watching them do it for the last two seasons. So do anything else. Do literally anything else than what we've been doing. I want to see something different, okay? I want to see the guy that said we're going to put our team in the best position to win if you know, if we see something's not working, we're going to change it to find something that does. We're not seeing that on defense. We are absolutely not seeing that on defense. Okay, go out there, let's blitz. Because sitting back on, you know, sitting back on passing, or you know, rushing four, dropping everybody back, they're finding gaping holes uh, in our zones. They're picking us apart, and it's the most frustrating thing in the world to watch especially since we are the Chicago Bears. Defense is our calling card, and we've had the worst defense in the league for the last two years. Okay, enough of this. Try something else. Blitz, 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 and then blitz some more. Good God. And there you have it, guys. That is the week four preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Sunday. Will we have another explicit episode? Will I be screaming at the top of my lungs because... We pissed away another one, or the Broncos came in and ate our lunch all day and all night uh, on Sunday afternoon, and we're 0-4, and fire Eberflus, let's just do it and get it over with, uh, and all the rest of that stuff. Either way, it's going to be a busy week because we got the Thursday night game next week. So, actually, that reminds me. Thank God we're playing at 12 because... That means that I'm going to be getting the review episode out on Sunday night. Okay, once the game is over. So basically, it's going to be somewhat of a knee-jerk reaction type show. Anyway, I'm going to record it immediately after the game, try to get it out by Sunday night because I'm actually speaking with um, Mr. Who from uh, the Commander's uh, Declassified uh, podcast on Monday morning. So that episode can drop either on Tuesday or Wednesday. I haven't decided Yet, we're going to squeeze the fourth phase in there somewhere uh, as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy, busy week. Might be a carefree weekend, though, because we won't have uh, shows to do over the weekend. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be a busy couple of days. So, come back Sunday night or be, be on the lookout for the new episode uh, Sunday night. And, uh, you know, Bears, Commanders, Will, will I even bother with the knee-jerk reactions? Like, I didn't even bother with them for the Chiefs games. Like, what would be the point? Will there will there be uh, worth playing the knee-jerk reactions, talking about how the game was going step-by-step, step, or will it just be me ranting and raving for a half hour because we, we did it again and we didn't do any of the things that, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't change anything. We kept doing the same shit and we lost again. And, you know, the Broncos, who could stop anybody, stopped us all day long and we only scored. 10 points again or, or whatever the situation. So come back on Sunday night, see how the game unfolds, see if I'll uh, you know, need to double up on the blood pressure meds before I do the show uh, and all the rest of that. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bear Stalk Underground.
How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.